Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the things that go bump in the night, frighteningly imagined creatures, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries. But I promise all sorts of weirdness. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's dark enigma. And on today's dark enigma, well, as you are aware of, it is my favorite time of year. That's right. So the next few episodes are going to be Halloween related. Or if you prefer, Halloweeny. <laughs> so if you have a favorite story or something you like to hear, please let me know. But for today, we're going to be focusing on how Halloween, well, became Halloween. Okay, so with that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation, as always, my darlings, is yours. So choose your poison accordingly. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say Halloween, that's going to be a single shot. And every time I say people, that's going to be a double shot. All right. Now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's Dark Enigma. So get your best Barbie costume or Ken if you prefer, whichever. That's fine. Grab your big pumpkin so we can fill it with treats. And let's dive into today's offering of Why Do We Celebrate Halloween? The Dark Origins of the Holiday. Dum, dum, dum. You knew there was going to be some drama, some drama in there somewhere, right? Most people agree that the origins of Halloween reside in the Celtic Festival of Samhain. This is the festival celebrating the time of year when the summer goes to rest. It was an agricultural festival and a time for stock taking before the winter came. Samhain was also like what we would expect in an origin of Halloween, a time of supernatural intensity where the force of darkness and decay were said to be abroad, spilling out from the Sid or the ancient mounds or barrows of the countryside. At this time of year, the Celtic people would build a large bonfire in the hopes that it would please the gods and help them regenerative agricultural processes. Say that five times fast, right? This foundation in an agricultural-based festival is still visible today, wherein many agricultural-based communities, the intervention of masks may help ensure that the crops grow well. For the Celts, this time of year held great symbolic significance, and it was said that many mythic kings and heroes died on Samhain. More importantly, Samhain was viewed as a borderline or liminal festival, as the separation between summer and winter, or lightness and darkness. 
It was a time when the normal order of the universe is suspended, and ritual transition and altered states were both possible and expected. When we look at our descendant of Samhain and its history in North America, we can see that the festival still carries this element of liminality. Halloween within the U.S. used to be a time for those between childhood and adulthood to go perform acts of trickery. For example, when the World's Fair of 1934 ended on Halloween, some 300,000 revelers, some masked as witches, took complete control of 32 miles of streets and concessions. The feature of liminality actually assisted the development and appeal of the festival in North America, which stemmed precisely from the temporary freedom that it gave to young people to defy social convention. And, you know, to wear cute costumes, right? This trend can be linked to other festivals of its kind because below the surface of dominant European culture, a current of implicit beliefs expressed in practices incompatible with the dominant of religious tenets and related ultimately to pre-Christian ideas continues to persist. Thus, the liminality handed down through the generations from the Celts, is still present and giving a certain amount of expectation and freedom to the festivities of Halloween. But we always knew your favorite spooky traditions had to start somewhere. And if you think Halloween is a uniquely American tradition, well, you better grab a bag of mini Snickers and settle in because you've got some learning to do. Dressing up in a creative costume, traipsing around in the gathering dusk to collect the best candy, or throwing a monster bash with friends are all time-honored holiday traditions. But Halloween didn't start stateside at all. In fact, it goes back thousands of years, once again, to the Celtic celebration of Samhain, a festival that marked the end of the harvest season and ushered in a new year. During Samhain, the veil between the worlds of the living and the dead was thought to be especially thin, so people could communicate with loved ones who had passed on. Whether or not you buy into the supernatural, it's still fun to learn a little something about the meaning behind your favorite Halloween traditions before you head out trick-or-treating. Turns out the holiday has a much more interesting, and sometimes even spookier, backstory than most people realize. Travel back in time to learn what some of the first celebrations of Halloween look like, including throwback ghoulies and ghosties, what people used to carve in place of pumpkins, and even the elements that Valentine's Day and Halloween have in common. We can guarantee there wasn't a glitter pumpkin or superhero costume in sight. Most scholars will agree that Halloween origin originated around 2,000 years ago with the Celtic people in Europe celebrating the end of the harvest and the start of a new year in the Samhain festival. People also believed they could commune with the dead more easily during that time, lighting bonfires to ward off ill-intentioned spirits, according to the American Folklife Center. The Celts also believed that the spiritual communication on Samhain made it easier for Celtic priests or Druids to predict the future. To appease the deities, they built bonfires and sacrificed crops and animals. 
Villagers also attended the bonfire ceremonies wearing animal heads and skins, which might be where the tradition of Halloween costumes first came from. Nowadays, most of us associate bats with Halloween, and that has historical roots too. The Druid Samhain bonfires attracted bugs, which in turn tempted bats to a tasty feast. In later years, various folklore emerged, citing bats as harbingers of death or doom. In a Nova Scotian mythology, a bat settling in a house means a man in the family will die. I'm just going to point out that it's mostly from trying to get the bat out of the house, but that's just me. Anyways, <laughs> if it flies around and tries to escape, a woman in the family will perish instead. The Romans conquered most Celtic territory by 43 AD and brought their culture's fall festivals with them. A Roman October celebration called Feralia also commemorated the passing of the dead. Another holiday, Pomona, honored the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. That's one reason people often bob for apples during Halloween parties. Fast forward a few centuries and the festivals that would become Halloween had evolved. Several Christian popes attempted to replace pagan holidays like Samhain with their own religious observances. By 1000 AD, All Souls Day on November the 2nd served as a time for the living to pray for the souls of the dead. All Saints Day, or All Hallows, honored the saints on November the 1st. And that made October the 31st, you guessed it, All Hallows Eve, which later became known as Halloween. Despite the new religious focus, people in Old England and Ireland continued to associate the end of October with the dead wandering among us. They set out gifts of food to satisfy hungry spirits, and as time wore on, people began dressing in creepy costumes to go begging for the treats themselves. The practice was called mumming, and looked similar to today's trick-or-treating. The first Halloween-like festivities in America started in the southern colonies, though. People began to celebrate the harvest, swap ghost stories, and even tell each other's fortunes, traditions that they probably brought with them from their countries of origin. In the 1700s and 1800s, unmarried women performed rituals on Halloween in hopes of finding a husband. Single ladies used to throw apple peels over their shoulders, hoping to see their future husband's initials in the shapes they made when they fell. They also competitively bobbed for apples at parties, believing the winner would marry first. And in a ritual that sounds downright creepy, some thought standing in a dark room with a candle in front of a mirror would make their future husband's face appear in the glass. Bloody Mary, anyone? Right? The holiday we celebrate as Halloween today really started taking off in the U.S. in the middle of the 19th century, when a wave of Irish immigrants left their country during the potato famine. The newcomers brought their own superstitions and customs, including the jack-o'-lantern. But back then, they carved them out of turnips, potatoes, and beets instead of pumpkins. People have been making jack-o'-lanterns at Halloween for centuries. The practice originated from an Irish myth about a man nicknamed Stingy Jack. According to the story, Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. True to his name, Stingy Jack didn't want to pay for his drink, so he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin that Jack could use to buy their drinks. 
Once the devil did so, Jack decided to keep the money and put it in his pocket next to a silver cross, which prevented the devil from changing back into his original form. Jack eventually freed the devil under the condition that he would not bother Jack for one year and that should Jack die, he could not claim his soul. The next year, Jack again tricked the devil into climbing into a tree to pick a piece of fruit. While he was up in the tree, Jack carved a sign of the cross into the tree's bark so that the devil could not come down until the devil promised Jack not to bother him for 10 more years. Soon after, Jack died. As the legend goes, God would not allow such an unsavory figure into heaven. The devil, upset by the trick that Jack had played on him and keeping his word not to claim his soul, wouldn't allow Jack into hell. In fact, he sent Jack off into the dark night with only a burning coal to light his way. Jack put the coal into a carved out turnip and has been roaming the earth with it ever since and the Irish began to refer to this ghostly figure as Jack of the Lantern, and eventually that just simply became Jack O'Lantern. By the end of the 1800s, more communities were partaking in a more secular and safer set of rituals. People started holding parties that included harmless Halloween games, fall seasonal treats, and fun costumes over witchcraft and mischievous troublemaking. Trick-or-treating skyrocketed in popularity by the 1950s when Halloween became a true national event. Today, over 179 million Americans celebrate the holiday. They spend about $9.1 billion annually in the process. I'm just going to say that's usually basically what the groceries cost at this point. And that's a lot of miniature candy bars, I'm just saying. By the way, if you want to know what my favorite miniature candy bar is, I like a Minnie Mounds bar. Love them. Anyways, while Halloween is lots of people's favorite holiday, the day still isn't considered a federal holiday. Boo! Because it so should be. Despite all of the festivities that happen in the evening, it's still a work day and most businesses and banks follow their regular hours. So if you're rushing home to answer your doorbell, you're certainly not the only one. And besides, how much fun is it to go to the bank and get your money from the clown from it? I'm just saying. It's fun. Anyways, that's why I love Halloween. I hope you love it too. And on that note, we have come to the end of today's episode. I thank you for joining me here today. And I hope that you'll take some time to reach out and share your thoughts about today's episode. Tell me what you love about Halloween. You can reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a suggestion for a future show, you want to share your thoughts about today's episode, you're bored and you need somebody to talk to, hit me up because I always reply to my emails. And on that note, that's all the time I have for you this evening. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And you guessed it, don't forget to tune in next time. See you, my heathens. I love ya. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.